Okay. Uh, I'm here at the Hyatt place, North Charleston. I think Trevor and Maxton are on their way to my room. There they are. I hear them. Hello. Hello. Hello, you monkeys. How's it going? I probably smell bad. It's so good to see you. Me too. I've been traveling all day. Traveling makes everyone smell. It's the worst. Flying's the worst. Come in, boys. to Hallelujah Monkeys for a brand new year, a brand new era, and the end of yet another hiatus. My name is Dylan Flynn. My name is Trevor Ickrath. Dylan, it's so great to be back recording another episode of Hallelujah Monkeys with you. It's been a minute, hasn't it? It sure has. It was gonna, this this hiatus just weared on longer than either of us, I think, expected. Uh, yeah, I do feel good, though, because we were doing, we dropped some pretty cool stuff immediately preceding the hiatus. You know, that was a good way to end that chapter with like the cast interview and stuff but we never got around to releasing the thing that we kind of hinted around in several episodes when it happened uh our uh live episode about the excursion we took to uh charleston south carolina yeah we've been so we've been so coy and so cryptic and there have been lots of chatter on the discord like is this the south tell the monkeys go south and i think people especially were just confused about like we said that it was a gorillas related trip and that's all we said and right we were think, pretty we were pretty tight-lipped about this one yeah and i'm glad i'm glad i'm glad that we kept it a secret and <laughs> kept you all hopefully hopefully now that we're here it lives up to the hype some of the really really kind of like cryptologist uh, uh code cracker listeners did make the connection of course that friend of the show honorary hallelujah monkey himself Maxton Stenstrom now calls Charleston, South Carolina his home and assumed that it must have something to do with Maxton Stenstrom. Were they right in that assumption, Trevor? Well, I imagine I'm going to play uh, a clip of uh, you meeting me and Maxton at the door of your hotel uh, as a cold open for the episode. So you'll already have realized, <laughs> yes, he was involved. Everybody's favorite third honorary hallelujah monkey, yep. Maxton Stenstrom. We were on his home turf. In the flesh. It really felt like we kind of showed up as guest stars in somebody else's show that weekend i feel it, it did he kind of like uh at least like uh for you and me i'm not sure how much of it comes through in the tapes we'll be playing but he really did arise to be kind of the main character of that weekend <laughs> no kidding we, we thoroughly investigated the world of Maxis Centrum. you know how do we even want to do we want to let this unfold do we want to say what we were doing right off the bat how does how do we get into this it's such a weird thing i can't believe we did this <laughs> before we before we come right out and say what we did i have a fun clip that kind of captures the uh mood uh regarding what we were there to do so let me just play that yeah hit me with a little bit of that oh several times today somebody has asked me what i'm in town for and i have been so like ashamed and unsure of what to say to them right i don't know what the fuck they'll say (laughs) (laughs) so there are kind of two gorillatives for the beginning of the episode ashamed and unsure <laughs> i do remember i do remember sitting on the plane like flying in and somebody was like do you have family in charleston and i was like no and they were like well why are you here and i was just like uh, uh so let, let's let's uh, let's let's tell the listeners what we were doing here right okay so probably like spring spring of 2018 yeah uh i wake up to a text message 
from Maxton sharing an advertisement for a local show going on at one of uh, at a bar in his hometown of Charleston, South Carolina. And that show was going to be headlined by a group neither you and I had ever heard of before. <laughs> a, a group that, I, perchance, very few people in the world had heard of. I think they had officially played, like, a gig before this. I don't think so. But they were, com- they were comprised of two other bands who sure. I'm desperately trying to look up the names of right now. I should have notes on this, but I don't. <laughs> I also have no notes. You know what? It's just a whirlwind impressionistic journey into the deep south. So just come with us. Come with us as we come uh, with us to a show featuring bananas, a tribute to gorillas. So just to trace the story so far, Maxton texts you like a Facebook event, right? Mm-hmm. Advertising up. A live gorillas cover set. And I think the first the first thought was like, oh, that's so funny. A gorillas cover band is playing in Charleston. We should send Maxton there to cover it for us, and then he'll come on the show and talk about it. I wish I'd come up with that idea, but unfortunately I immediately forwarded you the advertisement saying, We gotta go do a live episode. And crazily enough, insanely enough, you know, much to the chagrin of my family. We indeed found ourselves. And my own chagrin, like, (laughs) ten minutes later, I was immediately like, why the fuck did I say that? I don't want to have to go to, I don't want to have to fly across the country to go see a Gorillaz cover band. Have you ever flown coast to coast to see a tribute band? Has anyone? (laughs) Maybe, Maybe some, like, I don't know, fish fans or something? I could see that happening. Oh, like when they were, when they were broken up, maybe? Something like that, yeah. Mm-hmm, you got to get mm-hmm. that fix, that fish fix. Yeah, you're following, you're following the substitute fish. You're following fish sticks on the on the road. I could see that, but yeah, no, this was. But we did it. We did it. We bought plane tickets, <laughs> and we made arrangements to go to this go to this concert in Charleston at the Charleston Poorhouse. As let's face it, like as a bit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that it was somehow amusing to us that we would waste money, that we'd waste money to buy airfare to go to a fucking dive bar and watch some people in Charleston play some gorillas songs. <laughs> what were you what were you kind of like picturing in your head? Oh man, I, I was picturing maybe like four people playing like the gorilla songs that they could, you know? <laughs> yeah. For some reason I pictured like pretty blonde boy YouTube uh, acoustic musician guy, like, really crooning, like, douchily on Tomorrow Comes Today. Sure. I could, that, that was an easy possibility for sure. That's definitely one of the images I had in my head of, of bananas that night. <laughs> bananas. We'll talk about what we got, though. First, though, let's say that, it, like, sure, I wasn't super hyped to cross the country and go see a girl's cover band, but know what I was excited to do? Go see my best friend Maxton Stenstrom. Oh yeah, what a what a what a wonderful guy and what a treat to see him. Right. And over the course of uh the couple of days we spent in Trekdown, you and I well, you would get to know Maxton uh, a bit better because I had already like, you know, spent tens of time hanging out with him, but this was like a really good opportunity for you to bond further with Maxton after first meeting him at our live show. Which I really, really felt that I did. I felt like I left I, I left this weekend. If nothing else, if the concert was a was a piece of shit and if we all contracted measles, 
at least I got to know and love Max and Centrum a little deeper. And let's let's let our listeners also get to know Maxton a little deeper as I uh, play this clip of you and him getting caught up uh, for the first time after not seeing each other for a while. Let's let's hear it. Maxton. Oh man, I. Maxton's had a very uh, upsetting morning. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I I I won't go into it, but I'm moving out of my old place and into a new place and it's old gonna, place is really nice my old place is really nice my new place is less nice but i'm going to be able to live for a lot less and i have a new job um, working at the cool. airport i work at the airport yeah and there i don't know it's 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 i'm having a really good time but i it's taking up a lot of my time like i had to go to training earlier this month and then i had to do like crazy overtime on the job training so i'm just it's it's awesome and like i'm really thankful for it but it has ate up a lot of my life lately but now i'm going back to school and the training stuff is done he's gonna be an astronomer yeah i'm taking one class uh astronomy class and i'll be able to graduate what does a working astronomer do uh, I, I can barely tell you because I just started the class. <laughs> oh, okay, interesting. Okay. This is the whole the whole goal of this is for me to finish an associate's degree at a technical college, um, and I can do that by finishing this one astronomy class. That's oh yeah, like yeah, four yeah, days yeah. a week, and I just want to just get it done and have an associate's degree because why not? Yeah, it'd, yeah. You'd be really you know cheap and like easy, and I think it would move my life along a little better and so i'm aiming to get done with that in december and um, just work this job in the interim maxton stenstrom a man in transition a boy with an eye on the sky and a head full of stars <laughs> i did get a sense that I, I don't know how much this will come through in the clips but by the end of this weekend i got a sense that maxton is a man whom whom chaos is never far from and either it's following behind him or or perhaps just one step in front of him occasionally it consumes him but wherever maxton stenstrom goes chaos is is here to follow it would seem i'll add on to that by saying that maxton is a guy around which things happen like when, when maxton lived in la he and i would regularly go to like warehouse parties and stuff together and i would make a specific point not to let myself get separated from him for for too long because i knew that i would have a better more interesting time and more things would happen if I was around him. <laughs> yeah, I can feel that. You know, it's sort of like, uh, don't expect a quiet night in no. with a, with a Max and Sandstrom. And over the next couple of days, he kind of acted as our private, uh, you know, Sharon ferrying us over the River Styx into uh, Charleston, or as the locals call it, Chucktown. Chucktown. So I wanted to play a clip of him driving us around the city, giving us a taste of its uh, local color. Oh, good. Please do. Take you through downtown, see the sights. Yeah, man. Point out all the local color. I did notice that uh, you guys don't know how to spell monk. Did you see this M-O-N-C-K shit? No. That's Monk's nice. Corner. In Just what? outside of Goose Creek, the town I grew up in. In what world is that a way, an acceptable way to spell monk? There, there are actual monks that live there, too. I've seen them. What? Yeah, there are real monks in Monk's Corner. There is a real monastery in Monk's Corner. It's a very religious town. It is a super religious place. <laughs> I live down the street from the church and the mosque. Ooh. They're right there. <laughs> Everything is, it, like, 
they're just steeples. Like there are no skyscrapers, just steeples. Because we can't build skyscrapers because we're at sea level and they'll sink. So we just got hell of steeples. Just because they're too heavy? Yeah, for the most part. <laughs> the strength of the Lord keeps up the steeples. It's a religious town, that Chuck Town. I remember at one point, Trevor, having to come pick you and Maxton up, like circling around this church, this this uh, Baptist church somewhere in Chuck Town. And I got turned around because a scant, like two right turns away, I ended up in front of a different, like Southern Baptist Church of Charleston. And I was like, this has to be it. It says Southern Baptist Church of Charleston. It doesn't look like where I left them, but it has to be it. Maybe I'm just not looking at the right spot. And I was like trying to circle around until, no, I need to go three blocks away to a different <laughs> Southern Baptist Church of Charleston. It's a holy city. <laughs> quite a holy city so i think at that point maxton was taking us for one of many meals we would eat comprised of fried chicken good lord this there's my my meager understanding of economics do not cannot bear the weight of how many identical seeming chains of like chicken tender fast food restaurants there are in a given arterial strip in Charleston, South Carolina. It is It's like one of them's gotta be a money laundering front. Or all of them. It's just like raising King Zaxby's and and all of them and just weird ones you've never heard of. They're around every corner. But this brought us to a pretty fun topic that I've really been looking forward to finally talking uh, with you on a podcast about the game I invented, Pizza Pasta Wings. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God. I'm so excited that we have a canonical reason to unleash this on our listenership. Let's listen to me explain Pizza Pasta Wings to Maxton for the first time. Now that we're finally on mic, I want to do something that I haven't gotten to do yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And introduce Maxton to Pizza Pasta Wings. You were oh, telling what? me about this, but I don't know. I don't know what it is. No, I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I, I just think that, like, I, I, I must have missed him somehow when I came up with it, and I, by the time like I realized, oh, I should tell Max about pizza pasta yeah, wings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I realized, oh, it would be better to just do it while we're in Charleston. For sure, I'm ready. So, pizza pasta wings is a game I made up when I was picking some stuff up for Pizza Hut, and I saw this sign that just said pizza pasta wings. Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah, yeah, and I was yeah. like, pizza pasta wings—that's a good phrase. Feels like it would make like a good like game, or, like fuck Mary kill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. True. So the game is you come up with three like characters or celebrities or anyone and you try and figure out if they were ordering from like an Italian place or something, which one would get pasta, which one would get pizza, and which one would get wings. It's more fun if the characters are people <laughs> share a common category together, but mm -hmm. it's not that's not the rule. You right. have to do that. Like a good example that I gave my coworker Ben was Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman. That's also been my go-to example. Yeah. I've Superman, also been this game to people. By Superman way. would get pizza because he's like for the people, you know, all-American hero. And he's like, like the common denominator. And he's the common denominator. Batman would get pasta. Yeah, you think? Because he's like Bruce Wayne is like rich, and like of course he like likes the finer things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like and a like, nice, you know, something crazy. You go to a, yeah, exactly, like a super nice Italian restaurant mm -hmm. or something. That's fair. Whereas like Wonder Woman. She would get like wings because you know she like grew up on like an Amazonian island. She's probably used to eating meat off a bone. That's really the Fair. only thing of those three that would yeah, even yeah, like yeah. look like food to her. Interesting, interesting yeah. proposition, <clears throat> right? And the, and what's interesting too is that that's one characteristic that each of the dishes can take on, but they have several. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Another example that I like that uh, 
my coworker Ben came up with was Tony the Tiger, oh, great. the Trix Rabbit, oh great, and Sunny the Cocoa Cocoa Puss Bird. Oh, I forgot he had a name. I think Tony would get pasta because he looks like a guy who can put away like a bunch of pasta. He looks like, you know, he's bulky. He looks like he's into carbo leg. Plus his name is Tony. Yeah. Like, you know. Uh, the Trix Rabbit would get pizza because he thinks like kids love pizza. True. And he could probably use it to like maybe barter, barter for cereal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, hey kid, you want some pizza? Mm-hmm. And Cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs Bird would get wings because he's like a fucking crazy animal. Yeah. Like, probably an animal. He doesn't give a fuck. A scary, chaotic bird. Yeah. bird so we we we, <laughs> we we we've heretofore established that wings are for conservatives and crazy people. Not always no. necessarily. No, no, no. no. Um, sometimes wings are just for people who are like... Because think of pizza as like you're closest to the human baseline, right? Sure. But wings is like you're closest closest to the salt of the earth. Yeah. You know? Okay, I guess I Wings are like that. some... Like wings are, can be like for the real ones, you yeah. know? That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. true. True. But it can also be for, yeah, you know, it's just all of them kind of can wear different hats, all of the different food items. That's so interesting in different contexts. Pizza pasta wings. Pizza pasta wings. Something interesting, Trevor. You famously have a weirdly specific pizza order that we don't have to talk about it on mic. I have been known to shame eat an entire one pound box of pasta at four o'clock in the morning, like huddled in my kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> like a a person with a real problem, and Maxton consumes almost nothing but chicken tenders. So it is. In- it's interesting because I think that weekend we decided that I was pizza, your pasta, and Maxton's wings. It feels strong. In retrospect, I do definitely agree that Maxton as wings like holds fast. But I think for me and you, I would swap pizza and pasta. I think that I think that I am more like. The the anxiety of my people pleasery makes me more of a pizza. You you said it perfectly in that clip. I think you're closer to the human baseline. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. And you're 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 perhaps a you know you're you're an offshoot. You're an, you're your own interesting breed, making you more of a pasta. I'm a little more complicated. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm I'm Byzantine. Pizza pasta wings. Now later in this episode, Trevor, I'm going to put you on the spot and and serve you up a round of pizza pasta wings. But we're not there yet. Okay. All right, I can't wait. Can't wait. It's coming. I'll be able to rise to the challenge. All right, you will be. I think we were. I think we were talking. We were sitting in a. What, what was it? A cookout while we were having that conversation. Yeah, this dirt cheap chicken joint where it was like, yeah, it's two dollars, and we bring you a whole basket of bad chicken. <laughs> Eventually, we got on to talking about uh, Maxton's parents, though, because uh, the possibility had arisen that he might be inviting us to dinner over their place the following day. So why don't we uh, hear a little bit about Maxton's parents uh, before hearing him talk about his job at the airport some more. Oh, good Lord. Yeah, please. Maxton's parents would automatically like me because I'm white. <laughs> I mean, Maxton's white and they don't like him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but they get on my ass about it. And I kind of bailed on this lease, but I can't really afford to live in this place anymore. So I'm helping a little bit with it, but my mom's trying to find someone else who can move in. And it's just a big fucking mess. Wouldn't be if American Airlines paid me more, but I digress. What do you do for American Airlines? I'm a ground service agent, just like that dude who stole that plane for Alaska in a few weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. It's the same thing he does. Yeah, yeah. I, I like do this when the planes come in. 
I like push the planes back out, take all the luggage on, put it back on. In my in, in the TV show that I'm writing about Maxon's life. Yeah. Uh, Catch me around Chuck Town. Or just simply <laughs> Chuck Town. Chuck Town for short. Um, <laughs> his his boss at the airport is played by Brian Eno. It's great. Great. And he's always having Maxton do his job according to like oblique strategies and stuff. <laughs> great. Like Maxton, I'd really be interested in seeing the results next time if when we're loading the luggage onto the plane, we put all of the packages with wheels on them on the plane first, followed by the carry-on bags. Let's just try it and see what happens. The one and probably main benefit of me working in this place is free flights. Hell yeah, that's yeah. a big benefit, yeah. benefit, man. That's like, that's the ultimate version of, yeah, I, I have to pop popcorn all day, but I get to see all the movies I want. Yeah. That's a much better version of that first. It's pretty great. It's gonna suck for a little while while I'm in school, because uh, I won't be able to really, really go with that either. Yeah. But after six months, uh, there's a thing called Zed Travel, which kicks in, which is you get to fly for a discount on other airlines that we're wow. closely with. So, uh, I'm going to be able to kind of go pretty much anywhere for cheap. Apparently, it's to Japan and back. It's 40 bucks. So, I'm going to do that. Why? And Free Fall is going to be big in Japan. Big in Japan. Yeah. Infinite Free Fall live at the Budokan. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> You should get some infinite free fall music onto like one of those really wacky formats, like a UMD or a mini disc. Oh, and then while you're in Japan, that's a, yeah. See if you can get any people with, who proprietor over like you know used panty vending machines to also stock <laughs> some infinite free fall music right next to the used panty. Yeah, that's great. That's great. On while UMD. Why are you here getting your jollies? <laughs> you might like this music. So I'm saying for. People who are also fans of used pens, Infinite Freefall. Come check it out on your PSP. Yeah, that's different than the Vita. Infinite Freefall, it's always going down. <laughs> Big in Japan. We were, in fact, uh, invited to uh, Maxton's parents for dinner the next night, soon after that. Yes. So I, I, we got we to gotta talk about some of the things that came out of that <laughs> clip, okay? Because I feel like this is the clip where we truly establish Maxton as one of my very favorite tropes in, like, coming-of-age type movies. The, the lovable, charismatic, early 20s fuck-up <laughs> who is, like blowing something up right behind him and then trying to quickly write himself into a new path of order in front of himself, right? Where, like, he's like, I'm bailing on this lease. My mom is trying to find somebody else to fill it because I can't afford this place that I had. But I had this new job, and it seemed really promising. Like, just a perfect kind of, like, you know, guy getting, like, taking that big crooked shaky step out of early 20s you know i love that he brings up that guy who hijacked the plane uh before killing himself because i feel like that's a, <laughs> there's so, something about that parallel that really speaks to me like i can i can see like if maxton god forbid chose to do something like that i could see headlines and tweets saying like this guy was too good for this world he was too pure and the other thing i wanted to mention i don't even know it's probably not even perceptible to the listeners but me listening to that clip i sound fucking haggard like i sound run down and at this point having landed in charleston i think i'd already been awake for more than 48 hours like well you couldn't sleep right this comes up later well what happened was before i left like the night before i was to take this red eye flight on the plane uh the kid was having like terrible teething pain and i was just like up with her trying to get her down all night you know 
And she just decided at like 3 a.m. that night, my day is starting. Then I took this red eye, couldn't sleep on the plane, partially because I, I use a CPAP machine. I need like, you know, a flow of oxygen into my nose in order to breathe while I sleep. And I can't do that on a plane. So I just been I just been awake for like 48 hours and I and I and the show was that night. The show was that night. And there was a problem with your CPAP machine once you landed too, right? Because before the show started. Um, we all kind of did our own thing for a minute. I, I think I split off with my accident, and you went to go pick up a, a CPAC machine that you found somebody selling on Craigslist or something like, like that. Is that right? So here's, here's what happens. You you were going to split off. I'm like, cool. I'm going to take a one-hour power nap before this fucking show, yeah. right? Just so I'm like a little bit more refreshed and ready to go. And then I plugged my CPAP machine in, and it did not turn on, Trevor. It was broken. Bum, bum, American bum. Airlines fucked my shit up. Anyway, I'm on I'm on Craigslist. I'm, like, frantically Googling around, and I finally find some guy in this other town a few miles out who's like, I got a CPAP machine, and I'll sell it to you. <laughs> and I was like, great, I'll see you now. <laughs> because the idea was, if I didn't get it before the show, I wasn't going to get it. And that would just be, like, a third consecutive night without sleep for me which was a real nightmare but i remember it being dangerously close to showtime for bananas and dylan flynn still not being at the venue it was true fortunately you did manage to pull up to the show like like what like maybe like 20 minutes or half an hour before the band went on it's true i made really good time <laughs> and i have a really fun clip of you uh telling us the story about how you got there so let's take a listen to that okay so um i, I went out to this little boonie town this little suburb called uh cottageville i've heard of it and it was wait i need to soundtrack this better oh yeah okay. true give me one literally one second because i know what i want to play i just need to bring it up on apple music I'm so happy I didn't miss any. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> okay, so here's what happened. Um, I love the Christ allegories all over this and references all over the song. Anyhow, uh, I, it's a long, dark, twisting road that has no lights and just the tree line is just like at your ears. Sounds like South Carolina. And, and I'm speeding because I don't want to miss the band, right? <laughs> And because it's mostly it's mostly straight, and when there are twists, there's signage, right? And I'm, it's an empty road. There's nobody else with me. I finally, just like the email said, even though they wouldn't tell me the name of the gas station, I finally see a well-lit gas station as I pull into town. I kept emailing this person saying, what's the name of this gas station? They kept saying, it's a well-lit gas station, and it will be on the left when you get here. So that's what I, that's the non-specific information I went out with. I see it. I see the blue Prius. It's like a riddle. It's like an adorable little old man. And he's like, I, the doctor gave me this thing. I, I can't use it. It's too loud. <laughs> and I was like, great. I gave him the money. I bought an energy drink. Then I saw that we were. I was 50 minutes from this venue. I'm like, I'm missing this fucking show. So I get, I, I go full speed demon on a now much twistier road. And so dark and so empty. And then finally, like, I have a straightaway. And I'm just like, fuck it. And I'm, I'm punching it. And then, and no, no. And then I see, jutting out into the middle of the road, an armadillo. Oh, and my here's my here's the mental math that I do. Will an armadillo shell pop my tire? Yeah. 
Will and Armadillo, I don't know what else, right? But you can't swerve, because that's how you fucking die. Yeah. So I was like, I'm just gonna move, I'm gonna try to thread him between my tires. Yeah. And hope that the clearance of the bottom of my car Doesn't is, dismember him? Is high enough. And then I, 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 it didn't kill him. I saw him in my rear view. I didn't lose control. But then I slowed down because I started imagining Ramona saying, Mommy, tell me the story about why I don't have a father again. And she says, well, he had this gorillas podcast. <laughs> Great. Love it. Oh anyway, that was my story. Yep. I, I drink a very gross energy drink, and I feel great. And now we're going to go bananas. Now we're going to go bananas. Yeah. That energy drink is definitely for loco, right? No, I don't think they sell it, do they? They do. They is, it, is, it, is it the original recipe? Or oh, it's, they... it's all legal in Chuck Town, baby. It's Hell yeah. Chuck Town. Nice. No, it isn't. <laughs> uh, it was some extremely gross sugar-free rock star that the can was orange, but I don't know what the flavor was. Gross. All right, well, let's hit the venue. Cool. Yeah. That was the Ballad of Dylan and Flynn. I don't know if you know this, Trevor, but you actually did some live soundtracking in that <laughs> I was quite proud of myself. It was, it was a really good needle well. drop, I thought. Do we want to listen to this next clip? I feel like we need to explain it a little bit. Yes. <laughs> I've titled it George Wentz meets Maxton Stenstrom. Oh, we better listen to this clip. We better listen to this clip. We were just we were shooting the shit because the band was taking a little bit of time to get on stage, I remember. And we were talking about how a former cast member of the popular sitcom Cheers. You know, from the eighties when none of you were born. Allegedly never has never paid for a drink in a bar following that show. And I guess I guess if you don't know, uh he played a character named Norm and he was kind of partnered up with this other character Cliff. And whenever anybody would uh whenever whenever he'd come into the bar, everybody would go, Norm. Norm. Yeah. Yeah. So uh Yeah, that was the thing. Let's put that theory of him. Never having to pay for a drink to the test, why don't we? Sure, let's see if that plays out. Do you guys buy that George Wendt claimed that he's not paid for a beer in, since that show ended? I haven't heard that, but I don't he know. He claims that he goes into a bar, he never buys a beer, and has not since, since that show was like in season two. Or nah, three. I don't buy that at all. Just some boastful bullshit? Not at all. Because right? like, what would, how, like... Okay, I'm a bartender, right? Uh-huh. And you'll be him. Let's Hi, do it. Hi, I'm George Wendt. You remember me? I was on Cheers. You really think he does that? Uh, oh, boy, I don't know. What if he has his buddies come in, like, ahead of time, and then when he walks like in, Like Guy Norm from Cheers! Oh, oh. He's here, from, remember? No. But okay, I'm, 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 I'm like, Max, how much of Cheers have you seen? Zero. I'm, I'm Max the man. So, and I'm working at a bar. You're Norm from Cheers. Uh-huh. Let's do it. Okay. Walking in. Oh, hey, man. Uh, hi there. Hi. Uh, can I get a... Oh, what do you, let, me, let me think. Can I get a, 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 a rogue stout? Yeah, sure. <laughs> Great. There you go, buddy. Let Thank me know you. if you need anything else. <laughs> you think he's in limbo? Like, is this a comp, or am I going to have to close this out? Is Maxton my friend who's supposed to identify me? Oh, I didn't know that was the... I, oh, no, I didn't know that. we're not going down that road. You don't have that guy. Because I, I don't think he really has that guy. I thought you were playing me in this scenario. I am. I'm. Oh, yeah. you, do you like TV? You like to watch TV? <laughs> yeah, I love. Uh, I love Atlanta. I do. Yep. Donald Glover show. Pretty I've good for Atlanta. Nice. Nice. <laughs> yeah. A little too hot there for me. But there's so many good classic TV 
Yeah, yeah. You know? Like a, like a, what's well, something you would say? Line. Frasier. Oh yeah, like Frasier. I started watching that on Netflix lately. Frasier? Yeah. You know, that yeah. was part of a, that was part of a, of a block of programming, I believe, called Must See TV. Right. What channel was it on originally? NBC originally. Okay, cool, cool. You know, you might not know this, I actually know, I know some of the people on that show. Really? Yeah, yeah. Like, did you work on it? Uh, I actually did guest star a few times on it. Nice, you're like an actor. Are you famous? Well, I mean, I don't want to, you know, I mean, who's famous? Famous? I don't know. I've been on several TV guide covers. <laughs> I didn't, do they even make those anymore? <laughs> uh... <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, you know, I was going to say, well, it turned into a TV channel, but I don't even think that's around anymore. Right, yeah. I don't really watch TV. Mm. My TV is in, like, my old place, and, like, my brother still lives there. <laughs> I can only go there sometimes. <laughs> George Lent versus Millennial. <laughs> you know that song, <laughs> that song about a bar? You know the one uh, about where you... Sometimes you want to go. Do you? Rehab, sitting in a bar. Sometimes you want to go where everybody no. knows. You haven't heard that? No, I thought I thought it was no. sitting at a bar on the outside. <laughs> but have you heard that song that I was singing? No, I've never okay. heard that song. No, what one? Uh, um, <laughs> well, Sing the uh, rehab one. <laughs> oh, oh, here's a good one. Here's, here's Maybe this is the way in. Oh. Uh, you like those Pixar movies? They're great. Good, they're right. They always have this this great actor and a good dear friend of mine, John Ratzenberger. What uh, what are some he's been in? Well, for example, in Toy Story, he was the uh, the voice of the piggy bank. Do you remember that? Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. The the pig. Yeah, yeah, yeah. John Ratzenberger. The reason he got those roles is he was you know he he in the in the 1980s he was something of you know recognizable fellow. Okay. I've never but, seen him. I've only heard his voice. I guess. <laughs> buddy of mine. You might have actually seen him. He, he used to do. You know what? You probably haven't seen yeah. him. But he used to do commercials for the for the post office. He's associated okay. with this. That's crazy. That's plant. crazy. <laughs> How much was that beer, by the way? <laughs> that's gonna be uh, nine fifty. <laughs> nine fifty. That's yeah. fair. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> Do you, want me to do you want me to close you out? Why don't you keep it open? Okay, sure. You want me to get you another one? Uh, you know what? I'll nurse this one for a while. Hey, do older people come in later on? Okay. <laughs> I don't know, it's Thursday. Uh, uh, so Thursday sometimes. used to be my night, my friend. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> Some great Thursdays. Thir hey, Thirsty Thursday. Thirsty Thursday. Thirsty Thursday. Musty TV Thursday, right? Right. right. Yep. there until last call just in the hopes uh, very good. you can't always be where everybody knows your name you gotta say I've, that's not the first time i heard that clip i was still laughing pretty hard at that i thought that was a very amusing setup that was very fun <laughs> it's always great to be able to do an improv and instead of yes ending you just get to know <laughs> it's a good one the brick wall improv is very good george went come on the show george Wentz, come on the show please talk to us about getting free drinks supposedly allegedly so the concert was about to start and i think all three of us were on pins and needles waiting to see what this set was going to entail because we really had no idea yeah the, the set list was a big question mark too because it's just like 
Are these real gorillas nerds? What are these people? Why is this happening? Are they gonna are they gonna try and do some stuff from humans? The now now had just come out. How much of that are we gonna hear? This venue seems like a, a good place to see a local band. Like it's a big, danceable, high ceiling space, you know, good airflow. Yeah, shout out to the poorhouse. It was a it was a very good cover band venue. Definitely, but I just I they has there ever been a gorilla's cover band playing a gig that you have to pay to get into? Is that a is this the first time? I feel like we might have been at the very very first one and very i consider weird. myself you know in retrospect without giving too much away about the set lucky to have been there <laughs> definitely and i and i think that there were theories jumping around about like how do they open this thing up you know right so let's get to the opening because i think they led with the move you might be expecting let's take a listen okay let's hear it we're back in The screen. So that's after all that anticipation, we finally got to come face to face with bananas. And I gotta say, I was immediately pretty impressed by this opening cover of M1A1. Yeah, how many times will Trevor Aircraft be subjected to M1A1 in the service of this podcast? The, there seems to be no ceiling. This was, you know, this was probably one of my favorite experiences with it. Because, like, did you ever think you would get to experience a song like M1A1 in basically what is the equivalent of, like, a tiny sweaty club fuck no and like the 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 mood is so different than a gorilla's gig because they're like cracking open bottles of beer and swigging and they're just like messy and they're fucking around and they're 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 
you know, bouncing off each other in a way that's just like, it feels like you're watching a, a you know, a basement party set. It's so, it's so crazy. It was like seeing a Gorillaz live set if Gorillaz was a normal band. Yeah, you know? yeah. And like, there was something so uncanny about that. Like, it almost felt like a dream. It was really compelling. But I think at this point, we were just kind of like, that was fun. That was weird. That was different. What is this set list going to be? I think I even speculated in the clip, like, what if they just have been looking at the live set list and they're just going to do some approximation of it? Fortunately, we got something a little different. Yeah. So for the second song of the set, they kept it to phase one. They played uh, Tomorrow Comes Today. to say about this one it was a very faithful rendition i think you and i were both very excited to see him pull that melodica out yeah the melodica somehow to me it was like a, it was the first sign that like this was going to be a love fest about this band like there weren't nobody had like found the casio voice that most approximated that sound no this was going to be legit one of the two front men of this band probably my mvp of the night actually one was almost more of a hype man wouldn't you say? Yeah, and he was the one playing that melodica there. He 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 brought it out. He busted it out, and it was great to hear. And and that was just a very credible cover. I thought it sounded really good. I wish I could find out the names of the two bands who came together to form this unholy behemoth. But I I'm looking at the Facebook event. I'm looking at every, everything I could find about bananas a tribute to girls, and they're not saying it. But yeah, I think mm, just two strangers passing in the night forming a cover band of gorillas. Something like that. But uh, Maxon said earlier, maybe you heard in the clip, there were about like eight people on stage and it was a real big outfit and they were able to generate a really big, impressive sound. Guitars, synths, you know, hype men. I don't think the set really, really took off though until the next song when they pulled out one of our, one of, one of my favorite phase three numbers. Okay, let's hear it. <laughs> Quick, forest, water, breathe, so waste time with your net, up with that, work, this, that, ready, 
Tight. Tight. An absolute delight. So I was fun. loving this. They were they were bouncing off each other doing doing the pause and the and the true goy bit and it was just like lots of good vibes. Those two guys appeared to be like close close buddies and had really good chemistry. It was a super locked in performance and it would only get better as uh, towards the climax of the song something that happened that really delighted you, I think. Yeah, can we give we can we hear a sample of that cuz that was Sure, sure. <laughs> So yeah, at the tail end of Superfast Jellyfish, they busted out this Trey Anastasio-ass guitar solo. And and that was like a big sea change moment in my experience with that show, I felt. You can hear it on tape, I think. Yeah. Be- that moment where you realize, you know, we're really in for something special here. Yeah, because so far we've heard like a good rowdy M1A1, a nice credible Tomorrow Come Today, and a tight Superfast Jellyfish. All things you could experience at a gorilla show, but you know what you won't experience at a gorilla show? That that crazy jam ass guitar solo that was real crowd pleasing. A lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. Wasn't the last blistered guitar solo of the night, as we'll hear later. Wasn't the last curveball either. No, absolutely <laughs> not. Let's talk about I think the first really big curveball of the set, because they decided after, you know, venturing into phase three territory, they took it back to phase one, but I don't think uh, any of us were expecting what happened next. Dylan, you said that that guitar solo was a sea change for you. I think this was like an even bigger one. I mean, the, the last time Damon Albarn played Dracula, I think I had just turned 13 years old. Yeah. So, I mean, this is some shit that you're just, this is the only room where this is happening in the country and we're in it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And not only did they play a pretty awesome and faithful version of Dracula, but they also put their own little spin on it as uh, the hype man actually dropped a pretty sick verse towards the end. Took a verse! Took a verse in Dracula! Sick! Very cool! Much respect! Let's take a listen to that. Thank you. 
in the mind and the feeling that you can got you lost in this shit cause you don't know shit and I don't know you either but we don't still up on this either keeping the flow's gone and where the control gone a little bit more for your mind and I'm fine but I can tell the side that I'm fine love like it's my line to fly kick it back from down to nine Like that's some, that's very good live MCing, and this is a good place I think to talk about like part of the reason that this was such a winning experience is the kind of the whole vibe that these guys were given off. You know, it was it was very far from douchebag. It was very far from like taking themselves too seriously. It was just like guys who are are very good musicians, up to the task, well rehearsed having a lot of fun doing this that yeah, was like, the vibe not particularly like maybe big gorillas fans per se but people who thought like who have just had like very strong casual interests in like their their music you know like i don't think these guys would be able to tell us anything about 2d and murdoch but like they're the kind of guys who like have always seen like the first Gorillaz album is like a reliable record to smoke weed to or something. Definitely. And 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 the fact that like, you know, they they were like let's do Gorilla songs, but then they they you know, clearly they they practiced this one up. The band was tight, the guys knew what they were doing, everybody was in the pocket, but they were still like, you know, goofing, having fun, just just extremely winning, a winning combination in my opinion. And and most importantly, willing to bring stuff that you would never ever ever see at a conventional gorillas concert fuck no i mean i mean dracula was a big curveball like we said what happened next i think was maybe even a bigger curveball yeah can we next they decided to break into 19 2000 but i think you'll immediately see something a little different about their version of it yeah let's hear it this is great we got the fam out we got we got the family the homies the og homies the new homies just for everybody the general homies all the wrong courts the day with the general homies
So yeah, Dylan, as you pointed out in that clip, two songs from G-Sides. You know, Trevor, uh, somebody once told me that that original 192000, it's kind of a ropey, dirgy old demo. <laughs> So I could see why, you know, they would want to they would want to play the Spiffy Dop Soul Child remix live. Wow. What, Wonder why that's never ever ever occurred to Damon. What a left turn that took. And and yet again, <laughs> later in that song, another soaring guitar solo. So let's take a listen to that. I think you said it best in that clip, a total joy, an absolute joy. How is Gorillaz? Uh, they're okay. I don't know. Damon just isn't jamming 19-2000 anymore. <laughs> I'm so glad we got that, uh, that clip of you just going, yeah, in the background as soon as that guitar solo rips up. I almost, I almost said it again as it was happening. <clears throat> it's just like, how many levels deep into the, into the upside down can you get at a, at a, an ostensibly a gorilla show when you're hearing a live version of the Soul Child 2000 and then a crazy jamming guitar solo like kicks up like wow you are truly you have truly gone through some kind into some kind of gorilla's mirror world at that through point. the looking glass for <laughs> sure yeah yeah <laughs> next I kind of brought it back and played a, a, a pretty straightforward rendition of uh, the first human song of the night Andromeda yeah yeah very that. fun to hear sure baseball alive Not too much to say about most of this one, though. I did want to jump to the middle during this really cool breakdown they added, uh, yeah. where the hype man actually took another guest verse that I think worked really well. Let's hear it.
Good verse. Good verse. I got to say, I've said before on the show that I'm, I'm glad that ultimately, I know uh, Andromeda had that drum verse, but I'm glad it's just Damon on the record version. Mm-hmm. I think I might like that rap verse a little better than the drum feature that was cut. Yeah, maybe. I mean, he, he's not to a- the point where I'd want something like that on the album, but like, I think that might be like right up there with seeing Damon and Drum do that version at the forum in terms of my favorite uh, Andromeda performances. He's kind of doing almost a Kendricky cadence there, you know, the kind of like tax man coming uh, cadence, and it really wraps around that great. And when the and when the kind of the synth hook is happening behind it, the da 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 da. I don't know. It just sounds really good. Yeah, that's not really a rap beat, you know. And I can see why that verse didn't end up getting onto the finished version of the song. But I think he rides it pretty well. I like it. He was riding it very well. That was really fun. I also feel like you know, getting that humans cut like once again gave us a little bit of a peek inside the minds and the motives of bananas. Of like, okay, well, you know, obviously these guys have a have a spiritual connection or whatever to the phase one material but they've done their due diligence here like they they've they've made sure that they're checking these boxes they're finding the the cuts from other eras of the project that they like and they're putting their spin on it too i I don't know just uh, every every subsequent choice made me feel a little bit like more warm and cuddly in this gorilla's family event no phase two yet though weird omission right like where's demon days where's the Where's their where's their highest selling record? Maybe they're holding that stuff back towards the end, you know, because uh, next they would go back to phase three for styling. So yeah, we're bananas. We are bananas. First they would say their name a lot though. <laughs> I think you and I were both kind of, uh, you know, we, we were enjoying the their singer, but we were wondering if he was going to be able to pull off that Bobby Womack chorus, you know? Yeah, he's had he's had good pipes so far, but that's such an explosive moment, you know? Let's skip towards that part of here. Right there. serviceable i would say not bad for a for a a local boy a local white boy from charleston south carolina and you know at that moment trevor i looked up above the the band and i saw the raising canes logo but instead of the chicken i saw the smiling face of bobby womack approvingly looking down on us all wonderful So they hadn't played anything from uh, the band's most recently released record, The Now Now Yet. But I think based on the skills we'd seen the guitarists put on show, you and I were both really looking forward to hopefully hearing them bust out humility. Oh, yeah. You figure if they're going to do anything, they'll do it, right? And guess what? They did. Oh!
Okay, so they, this is a good place to talk about. It. I gotta say, the audience energy at this show was fantastic too. Like, people were just there for everything they were putting down. There was lots of dancing, lots of partying, and I gotta say that guitarist, you know, he wasn't doing the George Benson thing necessarily, but I liked what he was doing there probably more than what George himself did at the at the live show in uh, at Demon Days. Some possibly blasphemous takes, but yeah, I mean, I, I was was really enjoying the way it sounded. Uh, speaking of uh, that crowd, I. I didn't include it earlier in the show, but there is a pretty good clip of you and Max and talking about what you thought the crowd was going to be like. At one point, I think you uh, you uh, speculated that it might just be like us and like one other like teenage gorillas fan or something. <laughs> and I think we did we did see that teenage gorillas fan at the show. There was some kid hiding in the corner with like a big pair of goggles on. Do you remember that person? Yeah, like sitting against the wall on the floor. Yeah, I remember that person. Kid, kid with goggles, if you're listening, please come on the show. Definitely, and introduce us to your other stair kid friends. <laughs> Did you have stair kids at your high school? You're like, yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah, there uh, you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was cool. It was cool though that we were like a couple of of newer track picks deep here. You know, like that. Some time had been given on the show to say like, hey, here's the world of gorillas as it exists right now. And after a couple uh, faithful solid covers, we got another what I think was a curveball because I don't think we were. You know, this this was another one that shocked us. Yeah, I, I, if you had made me like write down my predictions for the night, this never would have showed up on that piece of paper. The audio really captures us trying to figure out what was going on too, and the joy that we experienced when we finally uh, figured it out. So let's take a listen. Got a couple guests coming up on this next one, y'all. Some local legends. We got the man Patrick Marcel on this trumpet. Yeah. 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 So they pulled out some horns, and we we're all kind of. What gorilla song has horns on? It? Yeah, what are they gonna play with a horn on it? Lansmo, not a bad guess. Yeah, I like that. Oh, that's the first thing I th- I thought of. Blow me away, boys. What else is horns? Huh? What else has horns? Bill Murray. Since Steph on on Crash's Beach has the not hypnotic grass, yeah. I doubt they are just gonna rip into uh.
one of my favorite moments of the night, realizing they were playing Rock the House. Have you ever thought about the fact that we're gorillas <laughs> nerds? <laughs> I do, I, listening to these clips, I do wonder what we must have looked like in the crowd. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> this was cool, though. They had, like, some guest MC up on stage with them, and people were trading off verses and, like... Uh, and and doing their own thing with it, and the horns sounded really good, actually. Dylan, this performance of Rock Pass went on for seven minutes. Well, it was definitely a family affair. It was kind of like, hey, you want to come up on stage and bust a verse? There's this one song that's just like a rap beat. And like, wouldn't you love to see Gorillas, the actual band, do like a seven-minute version of Rock the House where they just bring on every oh, rapper my God. who happens yeah. to be there with them that night? Of course. Just, of these course. are the kind of things I'm talking about. Things you would never get at a Gorillas show. It would be so cool if 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 there is another permutation of a live touring gorillas if they just like turned into a, a a version of themselves more like this looser, jammier, more willing to to fly by the seat of their pants, which we started to see glimpses of in this mega tour when they were starting to take some risks and and do some spins on their own material. Yeah, like uh, the uh, the reggae rework of M1A1 springs to mind. Mm -hmm, exactly, more stuff like that, you know. Anyway, mm -hmm. that was a cool moment, too. Rock the house. Wasn't expecting it. Yeah. Uh, next, they went back to phase three for a pretty lovely rendition of Empire Ants. <laughs> feeling was like how are they going to handle the transition right right so let's jump a jump ahead a little bit and hear how they navigated that part Pretty good drop. Pretty good drop. Pretty, Pretty good, good drop. drop. Well done, boys. They're using a little bit of Echo Box there to, to get that thing going, and he did do a lovely rendition of the of the little dragon vocals there too. He sounded he sounded really nice. Definitely, definitely. So a lot of good Phase One stuff. Definitely. A lot of good Phase Three stuff. A little bit of good Phase Four and Five stuff. No Phase Still Two. Still no Phase Two stuff. But however, that did change after the song when they finally broke out. You know the band's biggest single, Feel Good.
I want to. I want to get a Trevor Ickrath take here. Well, you know, Dylan, if if Halloween Monkeys is infamous for one thing, I think it's having very high standards for live performances of Feel Good Inc. Definitely, definitely. I I want to hear this Trevor Ickrath take. Maybe it's a hot take, but I think this might have been one of the better ones I've heard. You know what? It was. It was. They were. The guitarist was a little bit looser about that spindly thing. He wasn't like you know going studio perfect for it, doing something a little bit more chordy, which like helped i think the chords really helped fill out the sound live didn't they yeah and it just felt much dancier i felt than than you would typically get it felt very full which is a hard thing to get when you're doing feel good ink live i think because so many of those elements are kind of disparate that they don't really gel together but i think the band really pulled everything into something pretty coherent we also talked about this i think a little bit on the episode of one hit wonders of the world that we did about feel good ink which was also recorded during this weekend but didn't you kind of feel like the the audience's it, you know delight that Feel Good Inc. was playing was not necessarily the actual, oh shit, crescendo of the night from the audience? Absolutely not. And I mean, they didn't treat Feel Good Inc. really like any kind of crescendo. It's not like they saved it for the encore or anything. No, it's a mid, it's like a later mid-set moment. Penultimate track, actually, because they would, uh, after this, they would go on to finish the set, the main set proper with another phase two cut, uh, Kids With Guns. Let's hear that. Oh, cool. <laughs> I don't remember saying that. Very good. Very good. I don't Trevor. remember saying Very that. Very at the moment. <laughs> so that was the set closer. Uh, the show wasn't over yet, but they did decide to take an encore break. Uh, let's let's listen to some of our you know immediate straight from the hip opinions right there in the crowd. Let's hear it. What a set! I mean, that was a party. That's, that was never a set you would hear actual gross. No. I'm gonna say something and you're gonna think I'm exaggerating. Yeah. That was one of the most purely enjoyable live music experiences oh, I, I've ever had the pleasure to It attend. was such a party. We were we were buzzing, man. We got wrapped up in the energy. The whole room got wrapped up in the energy. It was it was just a it was a blast. It was a blast. I I was prepared to enjoy the set. I did not think I was going to have that good of a time as I did end up having with it. And I'm I'm so thankful I made that trip to go see it. I expected it to feel like more awkward than it did <laughs> yeah <laughs> but no fact... they were they put on a very confident competent performance hell yeah they had the crowd pretty much eating out of the comp, uh, palm of their hand for yeah. most of it big fan and i and i felt the same way as you especially at that moment just feeling like fuck dude that was like a that was such a an electric live experience you know and it wasn't over because uh the band a few minutes later took back to the stage with a uh, with another phase two cut let's hear it it takes a little bit to Trevor, was that your impression of the guy who's booking keynote speakers for the Republican National Convention? We gotta get Clint. Yeah, the far side first. Pretty sure that's what's about to happen. Yeah? Yeah. I can see it. Yeah, bro. 
really bringing in the Dirty Harry to open up the uh, encore performance. Really like the delayed entrance. That was very cool. Very cool. And again, it'd be pretty insane to see, you know, the actual Gorillaz band do something like this. Also, gotta say, Dirty Harry, great encore starter. Great encore starter. Yeah, I was I wasn't expecting it, but they yeah they really repurposed it in a pretty cool way yeah hell yeah i love it that. allowed the band to come out slowly and you know everyone came out gradually as they were needed which was very cool i like that a lot yeah a lot of fun and and pick the energy right up right back where it was you know dirty harry is like the kind of later mid-set thing that gorillas do that works great too but how cool would it be to like to come back with that track after a little break It'd be pretty fun and you know props to the guy doing the verses because he realized that he was holding a microphone Not, he, he didn't think that he had to scream that verse at the absolute top of his lungs for us to be able to hear it. i think if they had actually gotten booty brown to show up when he when he took that mic probably every glass in that bar would have shattered it wouldn't have been a pretty scene really solid performance of dirty harry though yeah how fun afterwards uh they they broke into uh gorilla's third most streamed song on Spotify on Melancholy Hill. Who would, who, what's the name of the wacky looking bass player? Uh, 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 uh say Adelaigan. nice this was subdued i don't think i've ever encountered a live melancholy hill that like really blew me away though no it's not a it's not a knock your socks off song live but i do think it is a a good second song in a three song encore set yeah i don't mind it there either and it's so melodic and kind of lovely and afterwards uh you know that intern working for the republican convention Hopefully he got a raise because we did, in fact, get Clint. Yeah, ask Spotify and they'll tell you Feel Good Inc. is the is Gorilla's signature song. But ask that audience. It was clear Clint Eastwood was the one. Let's take a listen to the way they transitioned out of uh, On Melancholy Hill and into Clint Eastwood. <laughs>
pretty cool. You hear that audience eruption too? Yeah, I mean, Clint, Clint Eastwood, no matter what the charts or, you know, the cash says, Clint Eastwood is the Gorillaz flagship song by this point, I think. Real heavy, gritty version too. Really enjoying it. Yeah. How much fun is that? How much fun was that? How much fun was that? Let's take a listen to what we thought in the moment and answer that question. So yeah, as you can hear in that clip, the crowd was pretty riled up. They wanted even more. And speaking of Waffle House and food, Trevor, <clears throat> pizza, pasta wings, gorillas at the Forum, gorillas at Demon Days, bananas at the Poorhouse. Oof. I mean, Demon Days is pasta, because that's the most complicated thing on the table, isn't it? It sure is. It sure yeah. is. There's some ingredients in there that seem a little befuddling. But I'm torn <laughs> between, uh, when it comes to this Chucktown Bananas performance, I'm torn between pizza and wings. Because with pizza, you know, it really does feel like that was a show for everybody. Like, that was a show that... Like, all it was interested in was making sure you had a good time. But as you said earlier in this very episode, sometimes wings are for the real ones. And this was definitely a show for the real ones. This was a real salt-of-the-earth experience, you know? Really I know. deep and gritty and, like, a real-ass gorilla's pure-ass shit thing. Grabbing a beer off of your buddy's Casio keyboard and knocking it back and waiting to take a big guitar solo. Pretty pretty wings. Pretty wings, that energy. I'd, I'd probably go with, with Chucktown being wings and our forum show being pizza because that was another case of like the platonic ideal of a gorilla's concert, you know? Yeah, it's like a pizza showing up at a birthday party, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Those yeah. kids are just going fucking wild, and, you know, it's, 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 it's. Damon brings you a pizza, then he says the name of your podcast into a tape recorder. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Good. We pizza pots and wings, and I'm glad. I'm glad. Yeah. How about some waffles, though? Let's, let's join us a little later at the, a local Charleston waffle house. Around like midnight, one a.m. in the morning, probably. Wasn't this wasn't this Waffle House in particular like missing a huge chunk of tile on the floor, and they just laid some cardboard out? <laughs> I don't remember that. I feel like that's I feel like that's every Waffle House kind of you know. <laughs> They're all in a state of disrepair. It's true. Waffle House is one of those places where like time doesn't really move normally. Yeah, I agree. But uh, let's let's join us at one as we uh, talked about the show some more. How about super? Fast jellyfish that was the, with the that blistering was the guitar yeah. solo. Yeah. Never thought I'd hear somebody whip out a guitar solo over SFJ. Sick. Sick. Yeah. Yeah, I gotta say, I hope that kid with the goggles had the time of his or her or their life today. Yeah, hey. yeah, me too. Dracula. Dracula, Dracula was wild. It's crazy. They that was really when it felt like we were through the looking glass. Yeah, for sure. 
All predictions out the window at that point. Yeah. Yeah. It was still only phase one stuff at that point. It played a lot of phase one stuff. Yeah. Two G sides cuts. I know. Yeah. Two G sides. Yeah. That's fucking crazy. Damon Alburn would never. No. Not quite Duncan. Although, it, although close. that performance yeah. of Dragon that you think he'd be really sick if he whipped that out. Oh yeah. That was awesome. Great. Wow. Chuck Worth the trip. So yeah, then we went and got some waffles. I remember, I remember just like fighting to keep my eyes open at this point. <laughs> Whatever energy reserves I had, like as sleep deprived as I would, I, I think I left them all in that in the poorhouse. I have a pretty good clip here though of you talking about uh, a little episode that immediately preceded your departure from uh, from Oregon <laughs> uh, the, the previous day. That's pretty good. Let's hear that. So disappointing, Maxton, that I didn't get on tape this great exchange that we had before I left town. Who? Me and Shelly. Oh, man. I brought Ramona in to feed with her at lunch, like I always do. Welcome to Halloween, Mobius. And uh, while, I, <laughs> while she was feeding the baby, and she was wrapping up and getting ready to go to work, yeah. I just kind of, I kind of melancholically said, like, I wish you guys were coming with me. And then Shelly just goes, Ugh. And I'm like, oh yeah, and because I would literally rather die in a fire. And then he goes, why are you go why are you doing this? You have a baby, and you're flying across the country to see a cover band. <laughs> Jokes on Shelly though, because she missed out on one hell of a cover band. Yeah, I I still remember that moment, like Crystal Clary's day, just to like. Mix of like just disgust, the disgust on her face. <laughs> While we were at Waffle House, I don't have a clip of this, but this was also when I uh, shared with you what I had named our new tape recorder for the first time. Uh, <laughs> oh, right. We should say we were using something different than we used to record our previous live episode, which was a mini kind of recorder that you had gotten a kind of like, um, you know, one of those like sound filters for. That looked like a big spiky afro, not unlike uh, one sported by beloved cartoon character Rick from Rick and Morty. <laughs> yeah, because it's kind of salt and peppery, more salt than pepper. Which prompted me to name the tape recorder Michael Rick. Oh boy. As a reference to that great Pickle Rick meme. And something I wanted to do real quick, I'm very sorry I don't have a clip of this, because I don't watch Rick and Morty. So I took this as an opportunity to ask you to explain the whole Pickle Rick thing to me. Which I did, I mean I did. You explained that episode to me, and it like made my jaw drop that this was an episode of television. And I don't remember what you said, so I'm hoping that you can... Again, like now that we're on mic, explain it to me again and see if I can get the same reaction. Okay, let's see if we can wrap our head around it, okay? So, the Pickle Rick meme, you know, he's Pickle Rick. So, Rick decides, in order to kind of challenge himself and prove his mental superiority, to set up a trap for himself in which he transforms his body and, you know, his, his physical being into that of a sentient pickle with no arms and legs. But... The controls that he set up for himself, like, go wrong, and he rolls out into the driveway where he's presumably going to die until he washes into the sewer system and creates a mech armor for himself out of some rat's bones that he kills. And then he, like, infiltrates an office building, and it's a parody of Die Hard where he's, like killing people in a power suit made out of rat bones. And then at the end, he like barges in onto his family's therapy session and a therapist kind of gives him the what for about how he's too up his own ass and he was Pickle Rick and that's the Pickle Rick episode. 
I'm astounded all over again that that was an episode of a television show that aired on TV. <laughs> and you like this show, right? Yeah, I've seen every episode of it. Maybe my IQ is just not high enough. <laughs> Speaking of being high, though, uh, let's let's listen to a a million dollar idea that Maxton cooked up and took this opportunity to share with us. Oh, please. You should tell Dylan about Fly Higher. Oh my God. Okay, so I have a million dollar idea that will never get approved ever. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, you know how they have mini bottles on airplanes and it helps people deal with flight anxiety a little I already more? I this is going. How much equity? Would <laughs> <laughs> you like name at the beginning of your pitch? Where this is going? I'm on board. I think it's a great idea. You get the fly higher package with American Airlines. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm dead serious. All you need to do is just, when you check in, it's a $50 upgrade, and they just give you they give a you an, brownie. They give you an edible. Before you go into TSA. Yeah, you can't you can pass through TSA without no. it. Yes, you eat it before you, you go, go in. Celiac, you get the lolly, whatever. Yeah. And then, and you wait 90 minutes to get on your plane, you get on your plane, you take off, and then it hurts. Yeah. And you fly higher. It's great. And it, I, I propose maybe having them on the plane as like a, coming around like, hey, sir, would you like to fly higher? Just fifty dollars. Yeah, yeah. Swipe yeah. your credit card. Mm-hmm. Totally. I think it could make a million dollars. I think that this gives me a, a million dollar idea. What about just an Uber driver who shares his heroin with you? <laughs> Not the last time that fly hire will come up, so I just wanted to play it there first. But yeah, we'd gone through the banana show. Um, and all that we really had left to look forward to on our what was it, day and a half left in Chucktown was this dinner that we've been invited to with Maxton's parents. <laughs> That's right. Dinner with the Stentrums, Act Two of the Chuck Down Experience. Before we get to that, let's listen. To, we we talked a little bit about Maxton's parents and uh, other things uh, at at uh, the Waffle House. My parents fucking love being domestic parents. You know, they can't. They were so psyched to get both the kids out of the house. It was just you and Maverick, right? Yeah, and then they, they were like, "Oh, holy shit! Now we're at, what's that place outside of San Francisco with the vineyards?" Uh, Come on. Sonoma? Catalina? God, maybe. Yes, yes, dead on. They go, now they're like, oh my God, we've got a Napa Valley every year. Pour a bunch of wine and get it sent back here. Like, like, that's like, they're they're living their truth and their dream for the rest of the time they have to be alive. That's their prerogative and I get it. But it's weird. I don't know. They have never... I've never seen them happier or like more in love either. Like they were always about to. We had countless divorce scares as children. Now, inseparable. They're like, you guys were the problem. Yeah, it was us. It was us. <clears throat> Fucking childhood, man. It's weird. When my but parents got know. divorced, I had a lot of like feelings and thoughts about it, but I didn't feel like I could tell anybody or talk to anybody about it. So what I would do is, I would like save up all my change and stuff, and like go to a payphone that was like by my school after school, and just like call my house when I knew that nobody would be there, and just like wait till the answering machine went off, and like just talk into the phone, and like I would always like get like another answering machine tape on the way home so I could just like 
swap it out. it out. Yeah. And like by the end of like the summer over which my parents got divorced, I just had like this whole little box full of like answering machine tapes. What happened? Where is it? I, Where is it? I buried them in the backyard of that house on the last day of summer. And the house has now been bulldozed, Boy. yes. Mm -hmm. Trevor, Holy Trevor, shit. let it not be said that 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 uh, Trevor is, is a man who enjoys the grand gesture. You know? I completely Symbolism agree. Symbolism is important. It is. Symbolism is important. That was uh, quite a tale, Trevor. <laughs> In the cold, sober daylight, I have some questions. <laughs> Where are you buying dozens and dozens of answering machine tapes? <laughs> let's let's move on to Act Two of our story. Dinner with the Stenstroms. I will say that was a pasta ass moment. That was one. That was not pizza in the least. That story. <laughs> So the next day, we we headed over to uh, Maxton's parents' house, and I think we were both a little nervous. So we learned a lot of things about Maxton's parents via Maxton over that weekend, and I think you know Mark, Mark, and Tammy Stenstrom. Yeah, we we learned a lot. We learned that they are a conservative, big Trump supporters. I think one of the first things we noticed was a big uh, Trump coffee table book in their living room. Yep. yep. As you learned in that last clip, they're they're uh, enthusiasts about wine. Yep. And uh, uh, they have a big opulent house. But I think it's important to note is that they're they're like bootstraps people. You know, they weren't born into this. They were born lower middle class. They made it happen. They made it happen through Maxton's dad's uh, construction company, Markson Construction. And and everything we kind of heard leading up to this, it's it was clear that there's a not exactly a, a tempestuous relationship between Maxton and his parents, but you get the feeling that they both give each other some shit two two different generations you know there's that kind of they, they clash on that front yeah definitely but i think really what you were most excited about was the potential for a comedy so let's <laughs> to treat to treat my friend's parents like props for my podcast <laughs> yeah let's listen to this i kind of don't even know if i want to ask permission for what i want to happen what do you want I want to see if I could drop a little, oh a little breadcrumb. Oh my God! If I could just very gently chum the waters at I some like point. It. Sure, let's sure. talk about Donald Trump. I mean, I want what I want to do is I want to give them openings <laughs> to say things like, "Yeah, nowadays even the athletes have opinions, right?" Just stuff like that. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, we were psyched to meet Maxton's parents. Let's uh, let's listen to us uh, walk through his neighborhood and eventually. Uh, meet the folks themselves. Okay. Look at oh. this place. Where oh, I know. I we're we're live. we're in a place that's called like something plantation. Yeah, Crowfield Plantation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Wow. You, that's that's not a lie. That's a real thing. Yeah, we're in it. Welcome. Holy shit! You guys get to meet my dog. Cool. Oh, cool. What's your dog's name? Sophie. Sophie. Like your favorite electronic music? Yeah. 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 Just like lemonade. Lemonade. Yeah. <laughs> Were you expecting Max's parents to live in such a nice neighborhood? Um, yeah, good question. I, want to I, kind of, I almost kind of thought that they would be lower and middle. They were at first. The first problems of my life. Me and my brother left and then. Well, the, this happened as we were leaving, but, you know. You know. <laughs> Oh, it's not good. Ah, hi. Is this Sophie? That's Sophie. That's hi, Sophie. Sophie. Hi, Sophie. Hi, how are you? Trevor. Trevor, nice to meet you. This is Dylan. Hi, I'm hi, Dylan. Dylan. Oh, let's go over the hug. Yeah, nice going over the hug. He's in South Carolina. Hi, Sophie. 
part of that clip of us meeting Max's parents is his is his dad who would go on to prove to be a real MVP of that afternoon oh yeah Mark, Mark Sedstrom is a real he's a winner Max said immediately going to show him um, a piece of his body that he had like a piece of his back that he had cut out of him yeah biopsy he had a biopsy and you going oh look at your lovely porch <laughs> just diffusing the, the conflict uh, in my defense though that was a gorgeous view. They had like a river view. In Mark's defense, he did not let that dissuade him because he eventually did show Max. And let's listen to this next clip. What's the matter? You good? Yeah, we're good. Say, you're lucky you've been in the beach. And I was like, no, I work at the airport. And mom was like, sunscreen. And I'm like, yeah. Well, yeah, I know. I don't need to see it. I don't need to see it. I know. Terrible. I, I believe you. You got a melanoma cut off his back. Yeah. My grandpa is dealing with that right now. And he had this much, by that much, take it out. Chunk. Uh, chunk out of my back. Maxton, if you need if you need a more immediate example of why you should be sunscreening up. Yeah, I literally, there, I could not get more immediate. Right? <laughs> mm-hmm. I'll show you this. Is that this I don't want to see no, it. Look. Let's see it. Let's it's, see the spot. That, that gore. This is what they took out of my back. Oh. Gnarly. <laughs> yeah, gnarly. Look at that. A little West Coast uh, grammar for you there. Yeah, gnarly. So yeah, like I said, Mark, real MVP. <laughs> Especially with this next story I'm about to play, uh, we haven't. I don't think we've named him, uh, but Maxon has a younger brother, Maverick. Maverick Stenstrom. <laughs> and before I reviewed the tapes, I did not remember this wild little nugget at all. But <laughs> is it some Stenstrom family dynamics? Just listen for yourself. Mark, when they were real little, Mark decided he was going to tie their hands behind their back. Remember this? <laughs> Wait, just to wh- make them fight each other. Yeah. <laughs> oh, how does that work? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. and, I, and by the time I, no, by the time it happened, I was like, I don't want to do this. That's all I remember. Probably Maverick, because he probably was still raring to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And I was like, I, I, I. How old were you? Eight. They were young. Seven. No, I, no, I think you were like under five. So your no dad. Way. So your dad. Tie no your and Maverick's hand, find your back. Yeah, no, yeah. together. And then they had to fight each other. Yeah. <laughs> I was at work. <laughs> yep. You probably try to sweep with the leg no, and lean in with the shoulder. I go all head. Whenever all y'all all head. Their, yeah. their hands together and you wanted them to fight until they were done. Mm-hmm. It didn't happen, right? <laughs> like, I was just like, fuck this, right? What well, gave what you happened. the idea for that? <laughs> I was on a trial room fucking fighting with one another. So you decided to make them fight. But you know, in a, with a control. Your hands together, somebody's gonna fucking beat you. And he was way bigger than Maverick, so Maverick. We didn't fight. It didn't happen. Lost. I know, but, but the thing about it, though, I was tired of y'all fighting, though. But it did. But by the time, <laughs> <they're> like, <laughs> well, okay. I do yeah, have to point they out. But the there was like a psychological. I get it. Yeah. But, yeah. There's a reverse psychology to it, I guess. But I, I had never want. I didn't want to fight to begin with. I was dragged into it. I was framed. It's like it's like making your kid smoke like a whole carton of cigarettes because yeah. he caught Which him with one. What happened to you? Didn't it? 
No. No. I I choked Thanks. myself out. Got it. He choked himself out. <laughs> Just like David Carradine. <laughs> Whatever that means. <laughs> they tied the boys' arms behind their backs and made them fight? <laughs> That's what I thought, too. I think they tied their hands to each other. <laughs> Inventing a sport. <laughs> I really wish there were. I I wish instead of just telling us about it, they'd whipped out the home movies. You know, that would have really been the cherry on top. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> That's so funny. That's so fucking weird. <laughs> Real weird stuff that your friends' parents tell you about their childhoods. I can't imagine, like, trying to make Ramona fight one of my friend's kids. Well, the, the topic of Ramona and your family came up uh, quickly after that. Let's let's listen to this clip. See, he has a nine-month-old baby girl. Girl. Yeah. Ramona. Yeah. Ramona Flynn. Ramona. Oh. He is a, he's a full-time dad. I am. His wife is a so, family practitioner. Yeah. So, so this is a song that you should learn to sing to your wife. Hey. Happy. Tell, teach me. Have I told you lately that I love you have I told you there's no one above you you fill my heart with gladness you take away all my sadness you ease my troubles that's what you do. <laughs> yeah. Huh? Come on. Huh? Yeah. Original composition, eh? Huh? Original good. composition, eh? Well, you know, I mean, hey, you know, it's, it's one of those things, you know. You do what you do. Didn't know you had another Chanteur. Yeah, the, yeah. after Max and Getsa, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So that kind of came out of nowhere. The Stenstrom's be fucking, I'm telling you. These these two are these two are little little middle-aged dynamos i mean like mark's got a, a cialis commercial vibe about him <laughs> he's a talented guy that was not the last time that evening he would serenade us but more more on that when we get to oh, it. oh no he's a troubadour he's a troubadour let's listen to max then telling uh his parents a little more about um his academic career uh yes yeah, so i was telling them how i'm an astronomer now because i've been going you to like it it's pretty cool i my le- my lecture teacher makes a lot of jokes that don't land and he's kind of deviating from the book to teach his fifth grade astronomy mm. but as long as what he actually teaches us is on the test and not any of the super highly complicated book definitions i'm gonna be fine with it but it's you'll put up with the quirks yeah or... I'll, I'll, I'll i will sit and pay attention to your dumb jokes about santa if it means that i can get an easy <laughs> Santa, like this Santa is Claus. this is this is the North Pole. There's no ice on it during the summer, but there is during the winter, and that's how uh, that's how Santa built his castles. This is all real scientific information. Dead silence, dead si- for like five. He, there's five seconds of dead silence before he tries to go to the next thing. Just tries to squeeze out that laugh, and it doesn't work. You should start laughing. I, I mean, I'm not going to encourage him. I bet he'd love you. You'd be his favorite student. Yeah, there you go. Uh, that or he'd get embarrassed and stop. So we're... <laughs> no, that's fair. That's fair. I've never considered the second option. If I had to, if I had to, if it was, I was teaching an astronomy course and I had to try to land a joke about Santa Claus, I guess I would say I might go, here's probably the direction I would go. This could use some punch up, but I would say like, 
We could workshop it all night. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> I would say something like, you know, on January 1st, after all those milk and cookies, he's actually visible from space. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's way better than the, than the angle that my teacher goes from. Mm-hmm. It's good. It's good. I don't know if Maxon did start laughing at his uh, professor's jokes, but I do know that since then. He has uh, graduated from college with an associate's degree. See, you know what? It, that's the thing. He may have broken out on that lease and left his mom trying to find somebody to, to fill it. But this is, a, this is a, a technical school graduate now. This is a man getting his life back together. Technical college. It's technically college. <laughs> and next, for some reason, Max then decided to share his fly hire idea with his parents. Um, which gave you and I the opportunity to start dropping some of those uh, breadcrumbs. <laughs> breadcrumbs you were talking about earlier and have a little fun with the uh, current national debate about recreational marijuana use. Cool. Listen to my million dollar idea. Are you ready? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's called Fly Hire. So when you check in for your flight, they'll say, Hi, we have a Fly Hire package. You give us 50 bucks. We'll give you a weed edible. You eat it before you go on the TSA, and they'll hit you when you get on the plane, so you don't have to worry about trying to get drunk on an airplane. Do you know how uncomfortable it is being drunk on airplanes? It's awful. You're sitting there trying to mix a little mini bottle on the plane. It's not fun. If we had some sort of it's weed called thing, what? called fly higher. If we had some sort of weed thing that, that did the mini bottle is thing. not But it legal. will be. Here's the thing. Weed isn't legal, but you can go to the airport and you can buy a Cannabis Times magazine. So it's coming. It's yeah, going to happen. And by the time that I am old enough to be able to implement this, it will be a thing you can do basically everywhere. Everyone drinks to loosen up. And I think that everyone smokes weed to loosen up, too. I think that shit's for burnouts and losers. What, weed? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I know I know you're not a weed guy. I think it makes people lazy, stupid, sluggish, sluggish un- unconcerned. Unconcerned. That is true. And um, actually, one of the girls I work with, her husband's a pastor, and she says that there's so many people doing that now, and they're so, like, not being the bee, and, like, they're just so, like, not there. Not to mention what a gateway drug it is, right? I mean, it is the classic gateway drug. Yes, One absolutely. Minute, you're, like, smoking a joint. The next you're, like, shooting up or doing Zans. It, nor- like, it dead it, and just a statistic. It know? normalizes chemical abuse, I think. Yeah. Especially when they... That's what bothers me, is that there's just no counter-messaging. Every, all the messaging is just... Oh, it's harmless. It's no big. Everybody does it. There's no well, good I reason to keep it. Every nurse, and, and there's lots of pregnant people that come in with THC. Yeah. Here's the thing, okay? Here's the thing. On my way to work, there is now an ad campaign. Like, is this like pro marijuana use campaign? That's like the whole thing is like they'll like put up a picture of like a teacher, and it'll be like the word stoner above them, and cross down and go teacher or like doctor but with that's stoner. exactly what i'm talking you about and it's like now now, you now how your exactly would you feel com- high yeah. no and there's no test by the way that tells you if they're actually high right they don't have that test right. yet I, I think that would come if they legalize it though it better yeah because how how am i going to feel safe on the I streets i don't want i don't want my pilot being high no <laughs> i don't want my doctor being high no i don't want you know people that are working on you 
You know what I'm saying? And if you want to treat it like alcohol, then fine. But treat it like alcohol. We're taught about alcohol. We're taught about high-risk behaviors. We're taught to see the warning signs when people are going down a bad path with it. That messaging just doesn't exist with marijuana right now. It concerns me. You're right. Definitely. No, you're, you're right. Can I get another glass of wine? Sure. Thank you so much. Yeah. I feel like I dommed Maxton a little bit at that moment when he when he goes, "You're right. You're right." <laughs> like I forced Maxton's tantrum to go along with my fake position about being afraid of marijuana. <laughs> I mean, none of the stuff you were saying was necessarily untrue. Well, that's how you. That's the the way that you lie is you have to do it from the heart. Yeah. <laughs> So I think we spent most of the rest of our time out on the porch uh, talking about uh, uh, Maxton's background and his parents and stuff like that. So let's listen to one more clip from there. Okay. Glad y'all are here. I'm glad y'all came over. I said, Maxton, why don't you bring your friends over here? I mean, chance, honestly. Yeah. He certainly undersold the experience. He did not tell us how beautiful it was going to be. Oh. I, I, I was coy about it. I'm sorry. Well, we know you like being modest by your background. That's true. Yep. Modest Maxton, that's modest what they call him. Well, me and his dad are not modest background. We can't, we're poor people, and my husband made it, worked hard in construction, and has made our life what it is. You can and still do it. Bootstraps, it's, a still, it's still a thing. It's a very Southern thing. Yeah. yeah. Very and, Southern um, thing. Most people think, when they meet Mark, that he has a dad that gave him everything, and it's not the case. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, um, we try to give our boys everything they, they could have, and sometimes we gave them a little bit too much. But <laughs> Don't spoil them. We spoiled them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm spoiled. <laughs> oh, it's rough. <laughs> you get bougie like me. For all the clowning we did on them, I do have to say that Mark and Tammy were lovely hosts, and it was it really was a joy meeting them. Oh yeah, they were so much fun. They were they were <clears throat> excellent foils for Maxton. It was really fun watching Maxton squirm as they like talked about how talented he was and stuff. It was great. Oh yeah, that was a lot of work. Why do you never send me links to your music or your podcasts? Oh, can we not talk about this? It was so good. <laughs> The multi-generations of Stenstroms. And after that, we were welcomed inside to a lovely southern dinner. Oh, a bountiful feast. A bountiful feast. First, though, I was fortunate enough to get a lesson from Mark about how to unclog a garbage disposal. <laughs> Let's definitely hear that. The garbage disposal is jammed. Did you know how to unjam Yeah, you. How the garbage disposal? So you just reach your hand down there? No. Pull it out? No. No? No. That's what I always Not if you like your no. fingers. That's what I always have to do. No. No. You can turn them off first. Yeah. You can get down there and turn them off. Well, you never, you never, you should never stick your hand in a garbage disposal. Period. Still sharp. Step number there. two, garbage disposals get jammed. And when they get jammed, there's a hole in the butt of it under the bottom. That's where you okay. stick your hand. No. No? No. Okay. And it's a, it's a, it's a quarter inch a quarter inch Allen wrench, okay? Oh, sure. Allen wrench. And you stick the Allen wrench up the ass of it and you go, <laughs> and it unjams it and the son of a bitch works. And then and then after it's unjammed, you reach your hand in and you pull the stuff no. out. Oh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Just the wrench. Trolling Mark Sandstrom. It was very fun. Enjoyed it. There was nothing to laugh about that dinner he prepared for us, man. I mean, that was delicious. I thought it was terrible. <laughs> terrible, yeah. Let's listen to this clip. The thing about it is, uh, the way that I cook is southern. No, it's terrible. That's terrible. 
<laughs> We've decided that after he retires, he's going to open a restaurant called Turrible. I think after he retires, he's retired. T-U-R-R. Yeah, yeah, Turrible. Love it. Yeah. And there's a guy at the door, whenever you leave, you have, he asks you how the food is. You're not allowed to leave unless you say it's Turrible. <laughs> Turrible. Yeah. Quite the entrepreneurial mind on these Stenstrom boys. You know, one's got his fly higher idea. The other one's got a restaurant waiting to happen. The food was amazing, though. I mean, he's a, he's a hell of a cook. It was very good. That was some of the best macaroni and cheese I've ever had, like, by far. Great barbecue, yeah. mac and cheese, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. parsnips. It was just a southern feast. Yep, I would definitely... Uh, pay a visit to terrible if it did exist hopefully it does in the future oh yeah for sure uh so we're running out of clips to play uh we're running out of evening to talk about but halfway about halfway through dinner we um started uh talking about country music uh and eventually uh you pointed out or one of us pointed out that there was a guitar sitting in the corner so let's listen to that all right max and i'll tell you when i play country music i play like vince gill and uh i see a guitar over there do you play yourself sure i do yeah sure i do Mm -hmm. sure i do and I'm just like... Uh, so Maxton gets it. Well, Maxton's got it. Maverick's got it. Maverick plays guitar, too. He does. Yes. He picks. And <clears throat> I was going to fly for... Well, let me... You feel free to tell me to fuck right off. <laughs> but I would love it. I would love it if after after dinner, if you busted that guitar out and played a song. Mm, we got requests. Okay. I sound like a real snake. <laughs> that clip in my opinion you can feel free to tell me to fuck right <laughs> off that's a great way to open a sentence to open a request yeah i just sound like i'm trying to dazzle somebody and sell them a tuba <laughs> as, as soon as as soon as we learned that we'd be getting a song from mark i was psyched because i think i think what we've established in the show so far is that every one of our live episodes has to have a big musical number oh yeah absolutely otherwise it's not the real deal before we get into this i i do want to point out that this was the weekend that murdoch nichols died <laughs> right we actually did the last like the death of murdoch free murdoch event in the hotel room together yeah it wasn't super interesting audio to listen to but we did do that that was fun and i do remember driving around charleston with you guys and you every now and then apropos of nothing just saying i can't believe murdoch nichols is fucking dead it was a real moment in time uh, but one of one of my favorite moments of this entire weekend was this little reference you made to the death of Murdoch Nichols after this song <laughs> we're about to hear Mark perform. Right? Yeah. Yeah. That was. But a but first, let's let's see what happened when Mark picked up uh picked up that guitar and treated us to a little rendition of "Help Me Make It Through the Night" by Willie Nelson. Mm. Probably, if you know country, you probably have to think way back to hear this song. All right, let's do it. played in like about a few months. Take the ribbon from your hair. Shake it. 
break it loose and let it fall Playing soft against your skin Like the shadows on the wall Come and lay down by my side Till the early morning light All I'm taking is your time Help me make it through the night I don't care if it's right or wrong I don't try to understand Let the devil take tomorrow Yesterday is dead and gone And tomorrow's out of sight It's so sad to be Yesterday is dead and gone And tomorrow's out of sight And I don't want to be passed away yesterday uh -huh. and that wow. would have been a perfect that song would have been a perfect tribute huh. absolutely that was uh willie nelson willie nelson willie nelson <laughs> Beautiful. like you said a, a perfect tribute to the once dead murdoch nichols rest in peace for a moment god bless his immortal murdoch soul <laughs> and you know what you didn't hear other attempts where we swung and missed to try to get the Stenstrom to lay some fucking some some conservative punditry on us, but uh, we were fortunate enough to uh, get one more song out of Mark. Um, uh, before before we listen to that, let's listen to uh, one more political conversation. <clears throat> so listen, guys, and Hotel I know California. I hate to be I hate to be so odious as to even. I'm going to ask Max to to please withhold comment for thirty five, seconds. Five, five, five. Thirty seconds. But this November is important. 
Yes. 2018 is important. 2020 is important. We need to make sure our red states stay red. I can't promise you Oregon, uh, but the Congress. Uh, <laughs> 30 <laughs> seconds, my friend, yeah. please. Remember red? Republican. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Love where Trump loves people. You see our book? I saw your book. Okay. I'm worried, I'm worried that, that he's not going to get his second term and he's oh, not going to be able to finish like a job. What a blue wave. I hear about the blue wave, but I don't know what's fake news and what's real. Right. Yeah, don't so listen to Fox. Don't look at CNN. Don't look at CNN. Yeah. Yeah. No, CNN sucks. One of the best moments of the night, definitely. Maxton's mom saying, "Don't listen to Fox." Wait, no, Fox is good. Don't listen to CNN. <laughs> really enjoyed that. In her defense, she was probably like five glasses of wine deep at that point. <laughs> I think we all are. Do you think? Do you think they were on to what you were doing? No. I feel like they might have picked no, up. No, because it a Mark bit. Mark was like so earnestly thanking us for coming by at the end. Yeah, yeah. But that was our that was our trip to Chucktown. You know, we saw bananas. We met the Stenstroms. We got another fun musical performance courtesy of Maxton's dad. We learned a yeah. little more about our friend Maxton. You know, like I said. He has since graduated from college. He doesn't work at the airport anymore, actually. He uh, is back to working with his dad at the moment, I believe. At the construction company? He's doing something for the construction company. I feel like that's probably a better gig than working at an airport. Maybe maybe his job is to beat up Teamsters and keep the unions at bay. <laughs> to tie their hands together and make them beat each other up. Hey, we're not innovating anything. Mark's construction company is totally on the up and up. So it might have been might have been a lot to put in for a bit, but I would say I had a really good weekend in Chucktown with you and Maxton. I'm really glad we we did this. You know what? The, the fact of the matter is, if we found out that there was a fucking jukebox with on Melancholy Hill on it in Nome, Alaska, and we all met there, we'd have a good time. We're friends. We love each other. And I hope it was just as enjoyable for everybody else to uh, listen in on the adventure too. I, I wish we could have brought you all there with us. Yeah, and to kind of kick off the the new year, the post-Gorillas year of Hallelujah Monkeys, and to get back into the swing of things and uh, shake the dust off and remember this fun weekend we had of, of eating way too much chicken and being like sweat-soaked in the humidity and seeing our... our now mutual buddy, our mutual bestie Maxton. It was just a what a what a lovely family affair it was. We truly did go bananas. <laughs> we went bananas in Charleston. And we're gonna be going bananas in the near future of Holy Monkeys too, right? Because I mean we've got that big Albarnasan's extravaganza coming up. I think that's next on the plate where we go through our favorite works that Damon has released in the last year and a half or so, 2017, 2018, see how they all stack up against each other. Correct. And we are also going to be formally opening up the uh, the Patriarchies Club to new inductees. And Trevor, I'm going to tease it here. On the Albarnasan Spectacular, I am going to take you back to 2001 in a, in a, in an in internet trip down memory lane that will shock you. Wow, I can't wait. <laughs> it's quite a teaser. I have no idea what you've got up your sleeve. Oh, I got tricks. I got tricks up my sleeve. All right. Well, let's let's end the episode then. Like I said, we've got one more song from Mark to take us out on. It's a song that I've come to associate with this weekend very strongly. Yeah, and and it's a song that's apropos now. As as sort of you and I record Hallelujah Monkeys, it really more than ever feels like. The third monkey is missing, Max and Senstrom. A little bit, a little bit. I'm, I'm so glad we got to know him a little better. Yeah. But for now, let's sign off. I'll say that I'm Trevor Aikraft. And you be, you feel free to tell me to fuck right off, but I'm Dylan Flynn. <laughs> Until next time. <laughs>
Don't get lost in heaven. Demo! Let me see if I can still do it. got the encore, encore. Um, I, I really do think Trump is trying to do a good job. He's a businessman. He, I mean, even though his Twitter... We need to give him a second term to, to finish the job. And honestly, he... Of all my years I've been around, I've never seen a president do what they said they were going to yes. do so fast. Yes! I was like, holy shit, he's actually doing everything he said he's going to do. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's like... But it, but those those second four years are critical. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to make sure it's done and then it can't be undone. By the next, by the next video. <laughs> That's true. Cheers. Cheers to that. Yeah. 30 seconds are up, boy. <laughs> Don't disrespect your father. Oh, <laughs> so... So you think you can tell yeah. Heaven from hell Blue skies from pain In a telegram field From a cold room rail A smile from a whale Do you think you can tell Then skip it. <laughs> <laughs>